0: Welcome to the Data Vites podcast by Women in Data, where we give you your weekly bite-sized dose of career development advice, industry case studies, and career stories to help you excel in your data career. Today, I'm joined with Hana Khan. Hana has been working in the data field for seven plus years and is the founder of Trending Analytics, where she helps data practitioners improve their skills in presenting and visualizing data. Welcome to the podcast, Hana. Great to be chatting with you again today. Thank you so much for having me, Sadie. Yeah, so let's just dive right in. I actually wanna, I usually don't focus on like negative questions, but I think that (laughs) because you founded a company and you provide a solution to people, I wanna get to where that need of the solution came from. And so my first question is just, where do you see the biggest mistakes people make when communicating data and information?
1: that's a really good question to ask and I think where I see people make the biggest mistake is not considering their audience in mind when they are communicating their data so in fact I would say this consideration should happen much earlier before you even start to figure out what you want to say what you want to present or communicate because depending on who you're presenting to, your presentation could actually look quite different. So in my course, I teach different ways where you can craft a data story depending on who your audience is. But the first thing is to identify who your target audience actually is. Yeah, that's a great point. It reminds me of um,
0: when you're founding a company and you don't have a really key target audience in mind, you're not likely to be successful in founding your company. And I'm curious, if have you had instances where either from your own experience or from ones you've seen where people didn't identify the audience properly and when they went to present that information, it really flopped?
1: Yeah, I feel like this is a very common. Uh, it's a very common occurrence amongst data professionals because we are so used to working with data and being knee deep in our work, and we assume that everyone we're speaking to will, under- will understand our language, will understand our work, or maybe it's not that they have to understand our work, but we just need to sound smart enough that they trust and believe us and you know follow whatever advice we give, and they end up presenting their work to maybe non-technical audiences or audience members who have different concerns than a data professional would and it just goes over their head or their audience are left confused as to what is exactly we need from them like what do we want them to do what is the next step for them to do and so that's where i that's where you see this mistake actually hurting data professionals because you know you spend a lot of time doing hard work with data. It's a lot of time, right? Like some, It's not days worth, sometimes weeks, months, right? And it just really sucks when, when it comes time at the end to present your work, it just flops. So it's really important to keep in mind who you're presenting to. And it's possible that the same exact project you are presenting may look a little bit different if you are presenting to your fellow coworkers who are data professionals, professionals versus your boss or other executives who are not as technical or non-data professionals and they have different concerns. They have business concerns versus your teammates don't. So it's going to look a little bit different based on who you're presenting to. Yeah, that's a great point. Um,
0: Do you have some tips on how that should look different based on, let's just use two examples of presenting to an executive team or presenting to like a technical team?
1: Yeah, that's a good question and so if you were to present to a non-technical or executive team, usually I recommend that when you are presenting your work um, for these professionals, you start off with a high level or executive summary to um, basically either you're letting them know what your recommendations are or what your main findings are before you jump into talking about your work and what you found. And you know you include a lot of visual aids, which I think should be applicable to any data presentation that you include data visualizations to help you tell that story. And And you make sure you you emphasize again at the end what recommendations or what action items you want them to take or what were your main findings. It it helps to repeat your main message or the main takeaway you want uh, the executives or the non-technical folks to actually take away from your presentation. And it's um, fine to repeat yourself. And the other thing is also that, you know, they're busy and they, I found that most executives really appreciate it when you tell them what to do. It sounds <laughs> kind of like rude almost to say like, I, I I want you to do this, but they really appreciate it because that's one less decision for them to make. Uh, it's one less question mark. They don't have to read between the lines or try to figure out like, well, what does this presentation mean? How to do, How does this connect with the business concerns that I have? If you make that very clear to them, they really appreciate that. Versus if you're presenting to your team members or to other technical or data folks, they may be more interested in the problems you came across because they are likely also coming across similar problems or they're just interested because this is their niche. And so if you talk about the challenges you came across and how you solve them, the methodology, that might be a little bit more interesting for them. Yeah, I think it's it
0: can be a little counterintuitive when you think I need to tell an executive what to do, especially if yeah. you're an individual contributor or you know, mm-hmm. maybe you're a couple levels below this person. It's not automatically intuitive yeah. to know that you're gonna need to tell them what to do, but it is so appreciated, especially when you're dealing with complex things of uh, large data sets that you've been analyzing maybe for a few weeks even potentially a few months, like they don't have that detail and they're looking to you as the expert. I think it's so important to just know, like, because of that, you have the authority to tell them what to do and do it. Exactly.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I know it, it takes like, some confidence to get there. But if you just remind yourself that they would really appreciate that. And I think once you start doing it, you get that feedback from your audience. They're smiling or they're appreciative or they thank you later on. You get that kind of positive feedback. I think it will encourage you to do this. Keep doing this.
0: I'm happy you mentioned the word confidence, um, because I know this is a a class you have, right, presenting data with confidence. And I think it's a really important word, that confidence word, because I see so many people out there who've done this great analysis, but then when they go to present it, either, you know, like many of us, they're scared to speak in public. Um, They're Mm -hmm. not showing that confidence and telling people what to do. How do you help people get to a point of confidence really and sharing their work
1: yeah a few things one um obvi- like uh, P- this sounds very intuitive but you know with a lot of practice the more you practice and prepare for your presentation the more confident you'll feel you'll be able to calm your nerves and it'll just show in your delivery or presentation that you're very confident in it and then also like the preparation in, in, in my course, I actually spend a lot of time on the preparation, which includes figuring out who your audience is. What is the takeaway that you want to leave them with? And when you th- there's more stuff that's included in the preparation phase. But what I found is that the more we spend time on the preparation, the more we ourselves as presenters are very clear on what we are going to be presenting about so that when things go awry when you forget what you're supposed to say next or your slides don't work or maybe someone makes a face or interrupts and you're kind of thrown off you know what your you know main takeaway main presentation takeaway is what you want them to understand what your data story is who you're talking to once you like once that's very clear it just gives you more confidence in presenting even when everything else falls apart
0: yeah i 100% agree that preparation is key and practice is key. But can we be honest about a couple of things? Normally, that's the last step in the project, right? Or in the analysis you're doing. So how much time when you're project planning, so you don't you know, run out where you have one day left, and you're trying to throw slides together and share a presentation, mm-hmm. and that's not going to give you enough time to practice. When you're planning out an analytics project, how long do you recommend to save in it to prepare for the presentation? and to prepare not only the slides or however you're gonna share it, but prepare what you're gonna say?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. And my answer is probably not something many people will like because it, (laughs) it all depends, right? On how high risk your presentation is, um what is at stake i guess is a better way of saying that because you know if you're are if you're presenting to your team members maybe spending a day is sufficient because you know it's low stakes it's your team members they're not gonna get upset you're gonna have many opportunities to present to them your final work but if it's for other folks external teams or executives and if it's like the final work of your presentation not just like a progress update it's high stakes it's gonna maybe involve funding or other kinds of decisions that could really, they're, they're like, you know, big things, then I recommend spending more than just a few days. Um, I would say like at least like a week ahead when you you need to start thinking about who you're presenting to and that way you have plenty of time to come up with an interesting story and figure out which insights like selecting which insights you want to present that in itself can take some time because you again, don't want to overwhelm your audience with all like everything that you have worked on. You want to make sure you are selecting, the insights based on what is relevant to your audience and then you know making sure you have time to design the slides and make data visualizations and then practice and there's a bunch of other stuff that i also teach in my course where i tell students like if it's like a high stakes you know presentation you do everything which includes even like going to the event side and there's like a whole checklist you know where you test out the tech and you do a dress rehearsal you know these are for like big um, presentations where it's recorded or it's like at a big conference. So, versus like if it's at a meeting or a more casual, like brown bag kind of like presentation, I think you can get away with spending maybe a day with preparing for that but the more you prepare the more confident you'll feel too so I found that even when I sometimes like wait too too long to actually prepare for the presentation maybe the same day I'm not as confident in my delivery or I'll or I'll like miss something really important it, I, it'll just show in my delivery that I wasn't as prepared yeah that
0: makes sense so shifting gears a little bit. Would love to talk about tools because this is always a hot topic when it comes to data (laughs) visualization. Everyone seems to have their favorite tool that they like to use. And I know there's full on wars. Are you team like Tableau or Power BI? But besides even some of the common ones, like what are your favorite tools for presenting data?
1: Yeah, it is a very controversial and hot topic, you know, your favorite tools. And I would say the You know, with the method I teach for presenting data, it does require a lot of prep work and brainstorming. So before I even open up my presentation or slide deck software, I use a pen and paper. And I find that one, it's less distracting because like I'm not getting notifications. I have my computer off and it's also more freeing because I'm not confined to the limits of a software. And when it comes to actually presenting and visualizing the data, I don't have a preference. I think all the tools that you've mentioned and more, they're all great tools where anyone can use them to create effective, effectively design visuals from them. It's just about how you use them. I think they're all great. But I would say my favorite tool for presenting data is my voice. As a mm-hmm. soft-spoken, shy person, it has been one of the most challenging tools to use and master but i found that it can be one of the most powerful and captivating one and also a more dependable one because you know tech your tech can stop working you may not you may your slides may not work or you may not have them and you may have to present without your visual aids and then you just have your voice unless you get like sick and lose that too but it is the most powerful tool you want your audience to focus on your voice and what you're saying Oh, that is so beautiful. I think that's the first time I've ever heard that.
0: And I immediately just fell in love when you said it's your voice. And I think it's really helpful to have that in mind, too, when you're like, if you have slides to support your materials or visualizations, because we talk a lot about like not overcrowding slides and we know that you can't read and listen to someone at the same time. The part in our Mm -hmm. brain um, Broca's area what processes language can only do process one type of language at the time, whether it's listening to language or reading language. And if you're rating voices being the top, we need to make sure those visuals are just adding to what is your strong suit, that voice. So that is just beautiful. Thank you for sharing that.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: So, You mentioned you are a shy, soft-spoken person talking to you. You don't seem that way. So obviously you've gotten a lot of confidence yourself, but would love to know your story into getting into this career as well. and, And what inspired you to create this, this company?
1: Sure. Yeah. So my educational background is actually in geography. And when I was doing my bachelor's, I didn't do any data analysis work. It wasn't until I was a graduate student when I started to work with data and I learned programming and how to analyze and visualize data and When I decided that I wanted to transition to work in the industry, I just looked for data analysis jobs. And so that's how I was able to get into data. I did have to do some self-learning and learn some programming languages that are more common in the industry. Um, But it was relatively easy to do, and I was able to find a job in the industry working with data. But the longer I've been working in the field, the more I've noticed that a lot of data professionals tend to focus on technical skills. And I've totally been guilty of that. You know, we just want to collect more technical skills. There's always a new tool coming out and we just want to add them to our tool belt. And when it comes time to communicate all our hard work, we struggle to do so effectively because we didn't hone the skill. And, I see tons of online resources out there to help you learn this language or that tool but not enough focusing on presenting data and this is one of the areas that I found that I'm stronger in and I'm passionate about because you know as you mentioned like I used to be a very shy and soft-spoken person and there was this phase I had when I was in high school where I was just conquering my fears and one of them obviously was my fear of public speaking and talking in front of people I would get you know I would stutter and start sweating and I just really hated public speaking and so I have been honing this skill for a very very long time taking I had coaches and voice training and all these other things that helped me become more confident in my delivery and you know I'm very passionate about this so I really wanna help other data professionals that I see struggling with this become effective presenters of data so that their work can get the recognition it deserves.
0: Yeah, do you also see, and not to put this on you, but with women too, having that like authority and using their voice, do you see that to be a struggle for them more or is this kind of just something that's across the board seems to be a struggle?
1: I've seen a lot of women struggle with that too. Although, you know, there are there are men as well who struggle with this. And uh, I think with uh, someone, I, I'm not sure how true this, this is, but someone even pointed out that maybe it's because like data professionals in general, the people who choose this career are ones who are attracted to the idea of working in front of a computer and not like a customer facing role. And maybe that's why we tend to have these qualities that make it harder for us to public speak or present in front of others. But I think also in general, like women do struggle to feel confident and comfortable in their work, um, not just in presenting their work, but also like confidence in their abilities. And that does end up reflecting in the presentation of their work too.
0: Well, you're a great example of someone who's overcome their fears and taken the training (laughs) and education necessary to use your voice and speak up with confidence. And I really want to go back to one more thing you said, which was in regards to not focusing on tools all the time and really presenting data. And I think sometimes even in presenting data, we look at that as tools as well. I think sometimes like you mentioned with Tableau or any visualization tool, right? It's almost like that replaces the presenting and you it sounds like are really advocating like no it's not even about that tool of how you visualize it it's really the story and the narrative and the voice that you use to tell your data story
1: yeah exactly it's your visual aids whether it's your slide deck or your data visualizations or whatever you're using they are there to aid you and help you tell the story but they alone shouldn't like be, tell- be doing that work there. They alone cannot be presenting your work. If, that were the case there'd be no reason for you to even present right there's a reason Mm -hmm. why you're up there presenting where you're being asked to present your work and you know what you mentioned earlier too where people if you have like a lot of text on your slides or very distracting slides where people's attention is just focused on the screen behind you instead of you and what you're saying that is a bad thing because it's taking away from your voice what you should be saying and I think we tend to use I, I was guilty of this. We tend to use our slides sometimes as a as a clutch and as a way to hide from the spotlight because we want the spotlight mm-hmm. on something else other than us. And that can hurt, end up hurting you because although maybe you could possibly communicate your data story through very effective you know, through a very effective slide deck and visuals. You also want to make sure that you yourself as a person, as a professional is getting recognition in order for you to help you grow in your career. So you can't just let your work get the spotlight. You also deserve to be in the spotlight. So I think, yeah, it has to do with a little bit of confidence as well. And also making sure that you understand that it's, it's you that they are there for you are presenting and Passing along a slide deck before or after a presentation or to people who didn't attend isn't going to be a good replacement. Okay,
0: everybody needs to write that down and remember that (laughs) it's you that they're there for.
1: And it's so important. I love that you pull the
0: analogy of like, hey, you wouldn't be up there because you can email slides out and nobody yeah. needs you to stand up there and flip through your mm-hmm. PowerPoint. They're there to listen to you. I think everybody should write that down and tweet that out.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. hundred <laughs>
0: percent. So shifting gears again, we're talking at the end of 2021 in December. And so my mind's already on 2022 and a lot of, is already coming out in terms of data science predictions for the year Um, in different regards for the predictions for 2022. But narrowing it down to your area of focus, what do you see as some of the predictions for 2022 in regards to presenting data and storytelling with data?
1: Well, I think like most other things in the data field, uh, one, I think AI and ML are going to play a role. Right now, self-service analytics is more common, but we're seeing tools come out that can automatically create data story data stories. And because of that, we may see automatically generated stories, but I still believe that we'll need humans to help review these for biases and tweak them for our intended audience. And also for the delivery, like, you know, the actual presentation, like we've talked about. And the other thing that I think we may start seeing in 2022, or at least we're gonna see increasing talks about is data storytelling in the metaverse. So in the digital augmented and virtual reality, because a big concern with data storytelling and presenting data is how do we captivate our audience's very limited attention and how do we engage with them? And with the metaverse, I see that there's this opportunity to immerse and captivate and engage our audience more because you know there's other senses at play here. And so I'm really excited to see what people come up with in the metaverse when it comes to data storytelling. Yes, me
0: too. I, this is very timely for me because I've been obsessed with the metaverse. I just got an Oculus this weekend and have been like Ooh, nice. totally sucked into playing <laughs> VR. And I'm not even a gamer, but I'm slowly becoming a gamer. And yeah, when I'm in it, it just makes me think of like, what are the experiences and stories we can tell with this new technology, right? So mm-hmm. VR is just one portion of the metaverse. How do we use that to better immerse people in the true stories? And so love that you're thinking about that. And I can't wait till you come out of class on presenting data in the metaverse. I think it'll be fantastic. (laughs)
1: That'd be really awesome.
0: (laughs) Great. Well, As we wrap up here today, we'd love to learn the best way for people to connect with you, find out more about your organization. And I know we are sharing a discount code for your classes. So we'll be sure to
1: put that in the show
0: notes as well.
1: Awesome. Thank you so much, Sadie. Yeah, so I I have a course called Present Data with Confidence, which Sadie mentioned earlier that people can enroll on in my website, trendinganalytics.com. That's trending-analytics.com. And that's where you can find my blog and other helpful resources I have there. And as a gift to you all listening in, uh, I do have a 20% off for this data presentation course if you use the code DATABYTES20 that Sadie will put in the show notes. And you can also find me on Instagram and TikTok. my handle is lytics so that's H-A-N-A-L-Y-T-X. There's already a company with, you know, the different spelling, so I had to make it interesting, mm-hmm. and I'm also on LinkedIn as well. You can search for my name, Hannah Khan, and I'll be there.
0: Awesome. We'll be sure to include all of those in the show notes, and thank you. Thank you so much for um, coming in and talking with us today. I learn something every time I chat with you, and I just really value the work you're doing because I think it's so essential for data professionals voice to be heard and for them to realize that they deserve to be in that place and what you're doing is really inspiring so thank you so much for coming on the show today
1: yeah thank you so much Sadie for having me and it's always a pleasure if you're looking for more resources to further your data career
0: or find your tribe we encourage you to become a member at womenindata.org see you on the other side